Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Clark Blue Podcast. I'm Dan Robinson, joined this afternoon by John Townley to take stock of where Villa are in this international break, the season so far, the player ratings so far, and kind of our thoughts on, on what we've seen from Villa across three competitions. Uh, before we get into that, we're going to look back on Wolves very quickly. This won't probably be an hour plus discussion this week, because John, you're actually off this week, so uh, thank you for jumping on and, and working despite that, so I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, how did you see the game yesterday and how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm still haunted by Ollie Watkins in the post with the last <laughs> moment of the game. What I would say straight away is that was the game that Villa lost for two years in a row under, obviously, Stephen Gerrard, but also under Unai Emery at the back end of last season. You know, mostly the same um, group of players. And uh, I, I think the ending has kind of just tipped me over the edge a little bit of more frustrated, actually, than kind of, you know, accepting of the point because of the... The quality of the chances more than anything. They weren't, you know, uh, I don't know, long-range shots that hit the bar or something. And, you know, it's uh, a low XG, should we say. But um, Zaniolo's chance was a good chance. Concer and Louise in the box as well. Um, they had space to kind of pick a corner and couldn't score. And Watkins has the chance where he's kind of pushed over in the box as well. And then... Mm-hmm. Ahead of which, you know, he probably should score, but it's one of those where he's kind of he's done everything. But... Um, I mean, it's hit the post. Villa were a lick of paint away from being, I think, third in the Premier League um, over the international yeah. break. So it is a bit of frustration, but at the same time, we're fifth. And as you say in this podcast, we'll take stuff of where we actually are. Um, and considering everything, if you put everything together, I'm happy with the first eight games, should we say? Yeah, me too. Um, we suggested in the post match show that I'm more glass half full than glass half empty about the Wolves uh, result yesterday. As you said, that's a game that we've we've lost in recent seasons. It's a yeah. difficult game for us. It's a difficult place to go. It's it's a bit of a bury ground, isn't it? Their fans are always up for it for obvious reasons. Uh, we have come back from behind, although the lead only lasted about 90 seconds. Uh, but yeah. it's a good showing of Villa's metal to to not lose that game. And I think 10 points from the 12 available from Brighton, Chelsea, Palace and Wolves is a great return, isn't it? And, and we should all be very happy with that. Yeah, I, I did feel similar to like when Bailey missed that open goal, yeah. um, I think back in January. And it was almost like, well... Oh, what could have been though? Like the scenes, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, like, it's just not, moment, it just yeah. wasn't to be though, was it? It just wasn't to be. I know, but like in the one all game with Wolves earlier in the year, it was one of those where again, the point was like, a, you know, yeah, we could have won, but considering that we came from a goal behind, 
we didn't play at our best. And I think in both of those games, Wolves, I don't want to be too disrespectful to Wolves because their squad isn't as good as ours. So they're not going to, you know, try and play as well as what Villa would like to, but they kind of took us down to their level um, in the most respectful way possible because that's what they had to do. Because as I say, they're, they've had to sell a lot of uh, a lot of good players and bring in money because of financial problems. But um, yeah, similar to that one-all draw in January, it was more like, uh, well, at the end, you could have had, you know, a real moment and a proper celebration there, like 90th, 95th. Yesterday was like 103rd minute potentially um, that we could have won the game. But yeah, it's just say it wasn't to be. Um, and Wolves have only lost four of the last 14 now at home. So for as you know, bad as they've been really over the last 12 months or something, you know, Struggling against relegation last season, maybe, you know, struggling this season, but I think they'll be okay because they'll be three worst teams. At home, they don't lose many games. Granted, they don't win many, but they did beat Man City uh, last weekend. Um, but yeah, they don't lose too many. So, they, you know, there's no shame in going to Wolves and only getting a draw. That's okay. Um, it's just that, yeah, it could have been, could have been all three at the end, but we move on. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about the Emery and O'Neill? Fisticuffs. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a whole lot of nothing in the end, really. I think it was it was a very emotional game, and Emery throughout the match was very frustrated about how Villa were playing uh, again. Because I think you got to tr- kind of credit Wolves at the same time because they, you know, did their game plan, um, and it did frustrate Villa. So you know, fair enough to them. But Emery was disappointed about how his team kind of didn't get enough cross in the box. They weren't putting enough bodies into the box when they had opportunities to do so. Um, and there was moments, and it was very bitty, very stop-start. There was moments between John McGinn and Craig Dawson. Um, for the people who have, who watched the game, they would you know know what I'm on about. Um, I don't really know what John McGinn <laughs> did wrong at any moment, really. He just had his arms out, which you can do in the penalty box to kind of stand your own ground, and Dawson would kind of just fall over. I think he was trying to just get the crowd up because... For whatever reason, the crowd, you know, just didn't take to McGinn. Neither did their subs bench as well, which was a strange. Um, Sean yeah. Berry was up and about at McGinn quite a lot of times. Again, not sure why. You're not on the pitch. So, um, you know, do your job from behind the technical area. At the end, it kind of got to the point where Emery was so annoyed because Villa didn't win the game because of the chances that they had. Um, in the last minutes, that when he went to shake O'Neill's hand, O'Neill was kind of too busy shouting at the fourth official. Uh, I think he was annoyed about the time that was added on. There was 12 minutes added, but that's a minimum, obviously. Mm. And yeah, yeah. there was a red card in that. There was a lot of corners because Villa were piling on the pressure. A lot of stoppages in that 12 minutes. So I think he probably added another two minutes onto it or something, uh, which would be fair because those are the rules. But O'Neill yeah, wasn't yeah. happy. He went to the fourth official trying to kind of um, confront him about it. And Emery had his hand out, ready to shake his hand. And then I think he just got a bit impatient. Granted, it was only a few seconds, but I think it's kind of one of those where at the end of the game, you shake hands and then you talk to the referee. So Emery kind of said, like, oh, I wanted to shake hand, but you didn't want to kind of do it straight away. So he went to walk down the tunnel and then Gary O'Neill kind of collared him and said, oh, you know, you're not going to shake my hand then or something. And then Emery was like, well, why are you talking to the ref? <laughs> and then O'Neill was like, oh, well, I'm not going to shake your hand then. <laughs> it, was, it was all about no. And then in the press conference, obviously they were asked about it. And when the, the emotions have settled, they both said like, oh, yeah, like there's no problem. It's... I think they're both respectful of each other. And Emery, we know, is very respectful anyway to, to yeah. everyone. And, you know, like there was that moment when Watkins was pushed in the back, which looking back, I think probably was a penalty, actually. And Emery, I don't even think, has spoken about it in a interview. Maybe he did with the radio, but he didn't go after Rob Jones, the ref, or anything like that, or, or VAR. You know, he settles for those decisions. So, um, yeah, in the end, it was, um, it was you know, no issues. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about the penalties, but you've you've mentioned the Watkins one already. I think there's the Kamara on Neto, isn't there? And then there's Watkins is one as well with a push in the back. Probably a little bit of bias towards it, but a push is a push is a push, isn't it? You either give both or you don't give either. Yeah, I think it was because it was so blatant. <laughs> you know, yeah, Watkins has yeah. got a clear sight of goal and Doherty has just put his arm out and pushed him. Yes, it was light, but he wanted to put him off balance, whereas I think Kamara... Yes, he was trying to take a net off balance, but it was one of those where you, you're on the kind of the right side of the law when you do that. But Doherty's was more, I think, to the other side of he's yeah. literally trying to, you know, push him over. Um, but Villa had chances to win the game, so I'm not going to complain about it. Let's move on to the bulk of the show then where we're going to just like take stock of where Villa are. Uh, the large part of that discussion is going to be about, about player ratings. Um, every single game that you cover for Birmingham Live, you one of the main pieces of content that you will write every single game is the player ratings from the match. From you know, self-explanatory piece of content. But do you want to explain what the player ratings is and how it works for people that maybe aren't familiar? Yeah, I wish I wish I had Ash on with me today as well because he'd be in my corner fighting for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so player basically a game. If you follow Birmingham Live's co- coverage during a match, I'll be doing the the live blog. So keeping fans up to date with everything that's happening, kind of minute by minute, and writing a, a report and doing my match ratings as well. So it is quite difficult to get the ratings spot on, and I'm kind of open to, should we say, a few. I don't know, mistakes. Maybe I'd give Louise a seven when he deserved a nine, for example, um, or the other way around. But yeah, so do the ratings after the game out of 10. It's kind of like a a six is like an average performance, should we say? Mm. If you go below a six, it means that you didn't have your best game. But if you had above a six, then, you know, you've done well, I suppose, especially for my ratings. But yeah, that's it. I hope people cut me some slack. I don't tend to read (laughs) the comments on my ratings because it's difficult to do all the things at once. Um, I'll tell you what, as well. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that it's like the post-match show that we do on the night. You're doing that there live yeah, at the yeah, game. Yeah. If you did ratings the following day, you'd probably have a bit more clarity and think, well, actually, that player's an eight rather than a seven. And it's minor details anyway, but it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned Ash as well because he had the same problem of like, you'll stick a number on a player and people go, oh, you haven't watched the same game with me. It's clearly wrong. And it's like, yeah, hang on yeah, a minute, yeah. let's just take stock a little bit. Uh, do you feel that pressure? Do you feel that, like, oh, I regret maybe picking a certain number there or do you just do it and move on? Yeah, I, I mean, a little bit of pressure, but it's one of those where, as I say, you, there's key moments in matches where I might miss. I know I'm there doing the game, but if I've got my head down typing on something, I might have missed Douglas Louis, give it, Douglas Louis sorry, giving, um, giving away possession cheaply and then Wolf scoring, as was the case yesterday, to be yeah, fair. Although yeah. I think Louis is a high rating because he's just, he was the best player on the pitch in the first half and he's just a class act. But those things, you know, you need to, you need to spot. <laughs> um and not be typing away. Uh, but yeah, pressure to do the play ratings, I'd say, yeah, there probably is a bit. For today's show then, I've been through all your player ratings so far. I've read every single story and gone back through them and uh, collected the numbers and worked out the average for each player. And we're going to discuss those. <laughs> and this is your opportunity to maybe change some of those ratings and, and boost people slightly yeah. higher or, or put people down. For clarity, I'm not including Hibs, Warsaw or Mostar due to heavily heavily rotated sides or the fact that some players maybe only played a half and that will skew their ratings. This is just the eight Premier League games we're going to be talking about here in terms of averages. And even those numbers are slightly skewed by batterings at Newcastle and Liverpool and then battering uh, Brighton. But that's the name of the game, isn't it? This is what averages are for. First of all, a list of players that have started in every Premier League game so far uh, and then players that have 
either started and had some sub appearances factored in. And then there's three players that have only featured uh, substitutes who have had a rating. And some of the players that come on in games get NA, don't they? Do you want to explain why that is as well? That they're just not worthy of even a number. Yeah, because I haven't got enough time to write about them. No, it's um, <laughs> if they come on in like the 89th minute, I don't want to give them a, a six so, yeah, or a five or a seven because then sometimes they were better rated than a player who's played 90 minutes, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. So there's 18 players that we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on each one because obviously I said at the beginning, I didn't want to keep you here all day. Two of those players have only started one Premier League game, so I'm going to discount those straight away. That's Robin Olsen, who got a six in his game, in the game that I forgot on which he played in. Is it Burnley? Yeah. Uh, and Toramings got a five in his uh, showing at Newcastle. Oh, before see, that's why, have I put, why have I put that? That's so hard. That's the thing after a game, because I've got to give him a rating. We've lost 5-1. That's not his fault at all, but I can't give him a six or a seven because it wouldn't warrant that. I probably should have given him an A, to be fair. Let's start with goalkeepers then. Emi Martinez has started in seven Premier League games. His average rating across your player ratings this season is 7.14. Okay. Is that, is that accurate, do you think, or is that a little bit low? I think I'd probably, my in my kind of, what should we call it, my reflective score, should we say? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. Give him, I'd probably give him an eight. Um, so okay. I think that's maybe slightly a bit low. I think he's been excellent. I was going to say he's arguably been our best player, arguably, so far this season. I know that's quite difficult because we've had um, quite a few good performances and stuff. And Martinez is involved in that, but he's not involved in you know everything because he's a goalkeeper. But I think he's made some top saves. Uh, his build-up's been really good. I think he's just had a very good start to the season. I know we lost to Newcastle and Liverpool, but he kept the score down against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, in other games, he's made some top saves as well. So I, I th- I'd probably give him an eight. I think that's probably, a, I wouldn't say a bad start because I'm, I'm glad it's at least a seven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we kind of, we're on the minus one, I suppose, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of doing it, actually. Yeah. Um, so I've, I haven't got the ratings per game in front of me, but I've got each number they've had. Martinez hasn't had it below a six at any point in this season, considering that he yeah. conceded the goals against Newcastle and Liverpool. That's decent. Uh, a couple of, uh, just one nine in there. Uh, a couple of eights and a seven as well make up the rest of his uh, performances this season. Matty Cash has also started uh, a lot of games, every game in fact, eight games for him in the Premier League this season. Uh, his average rating, seven out of ten, which okay. I, I think is probably fair as well. I think that's about right. I, I mean, if we go enough points, I mean, you could maybe push it up slightly because I actually think it's been very good. I think the wing-back role that he's been playing or that, it's not always wing-back, but that um, almost right midfielder role that he first played against Burnley, I think has been terrific i think it really helps yeah um, villa attack just to have someone who, as we always call him down the the, uh, the box crasher someone who's just going to get to the byline get into the box obviously make a difference without always being involved in build-up for example i think it's just good to, sometimes where you can have your nice intricate passes and stuff but then you've got john mcginn who's making that direct run matty cash making that direct run the defenders are so occupied with oh where's ollie watkins where's mr diaby oh and there's matty cash going down the right you know it's um it's something that we had in Alex Moreno uh, in a different kind of way. Moreno was more involved in build-up, whereas Cash is it's, it's, he's kind of like the end, um, towards the end of the build-up, should we say. He'd be playing like a, a little one-two and he's in the box and he's shooting or he's crossing mm. towards uh, Watkins in the box like we saw for the goal against Brighton, the opening goal. And then the other side of that would be the Burnley goal, uh, the opening one when he a little one-two, or was it the second goal? Sorry, a little one-two, I think, with Diaby against Burnley and then he puts it past um, Trafford. So... Yeah, I think a really strong start to the season for Cash. And actually, I think seven might be underplaying it. You'd probably push him towards an eight, in my opinion. 
Yeah, his his um, score is possibly skewed a little bit by a four on the opening day at Newcastle. Yeah, uh, which brings his average down a little bit. He's got a nine this season, uh, three eights. So yeah, had had a yeah, couple of really good games. Certainly, in the next player that we talk about, Ezri Concert. I'll wait for his average ratings. I think this is much lower than his performances oh, are <laughs> worthy of. Again, skewed by a four on the open day at Newcastle. But three sixes this season out of eight. And his average Ooh. rating, 6.75. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's poor from me. I hold my hands up. And I'm absolutely aware that Ezra Concer is a Rolls Royce. Um, but I think that's probably just the classic case of no one's talking about Concer after a game, that sort of thing. Because he's done his job, and when he does his mm. job, which should be an eight out of ten, really, shouldn't it? Not a six. So, um, yeah, that's one that I think in all my play ratings, I should probably give him the score and then just add one <laughs> because you know it's probably been you know better. So, yeah, that that that's the case of uh, you know he should be a seven out of seven out of ten if Villa have had a decent game. Yeah, I, I don't know what games those have been in. To be fair, um, maybe like the Burnley game. I suppose he probably would be about a six, maybe towards a seven, and then we have had good results against like Everton and Brighton, so those should have been sevens and eights, to be fair. Um, yeah, yeah that would be higher. But again, Newcastle game is going to drag these guys down. Yeah, yeah. There's there's two eights, a nine, a seven, and then the rest are sixes and a four. So a mixed bag for Conte. Is that a few eights and nines? I don't think that's too bad. Yeah. Like I said earlier, there's a couple of players that have I've got their starts average and then included when they've made sub-appearances as well. An easy example okay. to get out of the way here is Diego Carlos, who's made two starts and got an eight and a six from you, which is obviously an average of seven. Uh, and he's come on as a sub once. And in that game, he was given a seven. So his average overall, with or without substitutions, is a seven out of ten. But only three or two and a bit games there to, to judge him on. Yeah, this is why the play rank is difficult, because... <laughs> He hasn't been yeah, better. better than Ezra Conte, is that what you're saying? Exactly. So I think if he played in the Newcastle game... Did he play in the Newcastle game? Carlos? No, Torres came on. Yeah, okay. But if he did, that would be bringing him down. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been fortunate that he didn't play a part in that. But a very good player. And Carlos is probably a little bit underrated in his kind of comeback to Villa, I guess, that he's obviously had a, he had that injury in the earlier yeah. on in the season, came off early in, in one of the games, I've forgotten already, uh, but has come back no. and looks physical, physically imposing, probably the best of the, the centre-halves that we've got for that, uh, and good on the ball as well. And, and I think that concert, Torres, Carlos, back three, is something that we'll see a fair, a fair amount of this season. Yeah. Yeah, he dodged a Liverpool rating as well, I believe. So he's he's had some good ratings because of being part of a good scoreline for Villa as, as well. But yeah, you're right, Danny. He's, uh, it's good to have him back. I've said previously as well, that three at the back only works with Carlos, really, because you can't put Longley and Torres in the same team, really, because mm. it's they're too similar. Um, Carlos is good as a central centre-half as well. You don't really want to be playing him wide. Uh, and Villa don't actually have that, apart from Carlos, because Mings is obviously injured. And Chambers, Emery doesn't fancy playing him centre-back. So. Seven starts for Pau Torres then. He did come on against Newcastle, but I uh, haven't got his sub-rating for that game. So let's just do for him his starts. So seven starts for him. An average rating of seven out of ten. And there's a nine and two eights in there as well. I was thinking, should I criticise him for the goal that Villa conceded? But I almost thought it's difficult because what, what do you expect to happen when Pedro Neto takes him out wide? which isn't really his fault because Villa were caught on the counter. And I did say in the preview, well, I'm not a genius, but I think a lot of people would have thought it, um, that pocket between Dean, 
Luca Dean and Torres, Pedro Neto, Pedro Neto was going to have joy there one way or another, whether the uh, Wolves would have scored from it or not. Um, and they did one goal. Um, but yeah, Torres was kind of dragged out. But I don't really think that's his fault. What's he supposed to do if he's playing in that side of the pitch? That's going to happen. Um, it's not really his fault that he's not quick um, or quicker, sorry, than Neto. So yeah, I just thought he, I think he played well. Um, and he got the goal that won Villa a point in the end, could have goal free. So yeah, I think seven's about right for Torres. He did have a shaky start because of um, a couple of goals that Villa conceded, kind of difficult um, to come in straight away into the Premier League, not knowing exactly what to what to expect. But I actually think since then he's done he's done well. Um, yeah, yeah. On the ball, he's magnificent. And defensively, like against Chelsea, there was one pass that he misplaced in the first half in the start of the game. But after that, he grew into the game and he was brilliant against um, Palace the same, against uh, Everton. You know, he, he's having these performances now where you don't really talk about him like Conser, and that's uh, and that's a very good thing. On to Luca Dean now. Again, started every Premier League game so far. Slightly probably lower his average rating than I was expecting it to be, given that he's been, it feels like he's been quite involved in, in these games so far. Yeah. 6.75. Yeah, maybe a bit higher. Again, <laughs> Liverpool and Newcastle happened. Um yeah. I think Luke Dean's been one of my best players this season. So in terms of an average rating, maybe that's a bit misleading, but um, the numbers he's put up, he puts himself amongst the most like creative fullbacks in Europe. I don't have the stats to hand, but uh, in terms of his progressive passes and his chance creation, balls into the box, I think he's got the third most crosses into the box in Europe, I believe. The first most, the first most or the most. Uh, in the Premier League in the first eight games. So he's been the outlet for Villa and he's definitely stepped up um, kind of in Moreno's absence. Again, a different player, different profile, but still mm. Villa are getting uh, plenty of um, output from Luca Dean. Uh, Moreno coming back will be a big help, though, just mainly just to kind of take the burden off. Not the burden, the um, the amount of minutes yeah. that Luca Dean playing. Yeah, Villa need yeah, Villa need that rotation. Whoever's starting, presumably it would be Alex Moreno in a best Villa team. But then if Luka Dean comes off the bench with 30 minutes left, you're going to have you know fresh legs down that side and opportunities to score goals as well. So, yeah, I think it's been a very good season for Luka Dean so far and I've been impressed by him. Yeah, and there'll be instances where you see Conte right back and Cash further forward. You'll see Le- uh, Lean. You'll see Dean at left back and Moreno further forward in, in certain games yeah. as well, I'm sure. Uh, I won't do this for every player because I've done it on a calculator on my phone and I, it's pain in the arse um, but if you take away the 4 out of 10 that Luca Dean got at Newcastle his average rating would be 7.14 which is slightly more where I would have expected it to have been yeah. so that Newcastle result and the ratings given this whole process yeah. basically <laughs> yeah um, so forget Newcastle over up and like, again Bukar Kamara is next up started every game his average rating is a 7 out of 10 but he got a four at Newcastle as well. So take that out. And he'd be one of our best performers this season. He is the only player in that squad, in my opinion, that can do the role that he yeah. can do. Um, and he is very good at it. But yeah, he's just doing that role that <laughs> he has to do. So when he does it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, it's a good thing that Kamara's there. He's a brilliant player, but Villa need him on the pitch. And it's no surprise that, you know, I don't know how unfit he was or how fit he was to play against Wolves. I think I think he looks fine though, but um, mm. I'm sure Villa would have done everything to put him on the pitch. Diaby was a different one, I think, because he didn't quite look up to speed in my opinion against Wolves. But again, it's the international break. I think every Villa fan would have said, I'll oh, play Diaby even if he wasn't 100% fit. Uh, but I don't think he really got in the game much. And that's why he was mm. brought up on the, on the hour mark. 
Yeah, and four of those eight games for Kamara, two have been eights, two have been nines. Uh, Chelsea and Brighton games were, were nines back-to-back yeah. for Kamara, and he was very good in those. Again, if I'm waving my Newcastle card, uh, 7.42 rating without that Newcastle defeat, which would be one of our highest-rated players this season based off your pesky ratings. Uh, Douglas <laughs> Louise also started eight games. His average rating uh, with the Newcastle game is 7.5. He got a 5 Ooh. out of 10 on the opening day, but he's been very good in most yeah. games since then. Yeah, Louise is just he's different gravy. Every time I watch him in every game, I, I said at the end, back in the last season that you've just got to... When you watch him live, it's it's a whole different experience to watching him like on the TV or in highlights and stuff. When you watch him live, you just get an appreciation of how mm. good he is. It's hard to explain sometimes. He's, he's that good now, in my opinion. He, the way he takes the ball, the way he receives the ball. He knows everything that's going to happen in front of him a second before it happens, which is a long time in football um, when you are in possession. If anyone's played the game at any level, you know that the pace of the Premier League is something that like 0.1% of you know professional footballers could really thrive in, should we say. And Louise is one of them. He's... Um, yeah, he's fantastic and he's coming on leaps and bounds under Emery. It's a bit scary, to be fair, how good he's getting and the kind of rate of progression as well. It was only a couple of seasons ago where people thought, oh, well, does he fit in this team? I mean, maybe that was because Steven Gerrard didn't see him as you know part of his plans in central midfield. But my goodness, yeah. Like against Wolves yesterday, you know, Wolves don't have the best midfield in the world, don't get me wrong, but those are players who were kind of you know intense, they're tenacious, they're... They're dogged, they get into tackles, things like that. But Louise just he takes the ball, moves it, takes the ball, moves it, little touch outside and progresses the ball. So he's just a fantastic player. And what was my score done? 7.5? 7.5 is an average, 7.85 yeah. if you take away the Newcastle game. Yeah, so about an 8 out of 10. I think that's about right. John McGinn's next. Also started every single game in the Premier League. Uh, two nines for him, a 7, an 8 and a 7. A couple of 6s and a 5 against Newcastle. Gives him an average of 7.12. Slightly maybe lower than I would expect him to be. I thought he'd be more around the 7.5. But that Newcastle thing is kind of, as I said, making this whole format slightly uh, skewed a little bit. But again, has been very good this season. A player that was also maybe had doubts about him from a, a section of the fan base again, from the Steven Gerrard era of not being the player we maybe hoped he was going to be and maybe had found his level a little bit, but doing a completely different role under Emery and has, has progressed massively and he's one of the first names on the team sheet now and a worthy captain as well. Yeah, precisely. I always say that if they were going to play well, John McGinn will have probably an 8 out of 10 and I think my scores reflect that. I'm glad that you're reading out all of the scores, a few 8s, a couple of 9s, things like that, because like, that kind of ticks the boxes for most of the games and then Newcastle and Liverpool are on the side. So yeah, I think overall, I think those are fair scores really. Um, I think for a couple of games this season, he did look kind of off the pace, but that's not his fault. I think that's just down to a bit of tiredness at the start of the season, which he's going to get. He's played lots of games already in the first few months of the season for his country as well. I wouldn't say it's a worry, um, but I'm, well, I'm a bit worried actually uh, that the amount of games could catch up with him towards the end of the season because he's going to be playing a lot for Scotland, a lot for Villa in Europe. Yeah, and we need him to be hustling and bustling. We need him to be energetic and hopefully he will be and he can, you know, kind of relax in midweek a little bit when Villa aren't playing, not as, not trying as intense and then kind of save himself for those games. Leon Bailey's up next and he's a, a little bit of an awkward one to talk about. So he's he started two games and then he's came off the bench in three where he played for long enough to get a rating. So I'll give you two averages here. 
in the games he started, Newcastle and Everton, he got a four and then a nine, which gives him an average of uh, 6.5, which I think is probably about yeah. right for Leon Bailey. <laughs> if you include his substitute appearances, six, seven and five, that brings his total average down of all appearances down to 6.2. At home, Bailey's been very good, like in the Everton game where I give him a nine. You think he got a, well, he got a goal and assist, I think. Um, against Palace, he scored as well, but he came off the bench, didn't he? So, yeah, we all know that Bailey's inconsistent and that is his issue, I suppose. But away from home, I think that's more of a concern than at home. At home this season, I think he's played well. And I say, I think he did well with Diaby. I think that's key. He needs players to link off. I think if you're asking him to, to, to play off the right and beat two players before putting in a cross or shooting on goal, that's... I think that's the player that we thought we might have signed, but it, it turns out that that isn't the player Bailey is, at least in the Premier League, in my opinion. I think it's a player that excels when he has options around him, when he can use DRB a little one-two here and there to get in a pocket and then um, then cause problems. So I think that's kind of brought the best out, of him, best out of him in a way, not having that, I don't know, responsibility to be a game-changer when I don't think mm. he is that player. DRB, I think, is that player. But you'd rather you'd rather have Diaby um, kind of supporting that support act for Watkins and then Bailey off the right, you know, linking. If you swap them over, then you're not going to get the same output. So, yeah, we thought we were probably signing very similar players, but football doesn't work like that. Not every winger cuts in on their left foot and curls a ball like uh, like Iron Robin. It's very intricate, and uh, you know, every player's different. And we've kind of found that out with these two players, Diaby and Bailey. But if they're working in tandem and working together then I think it's been at the benefit um, of Villa. Before we get to the other two starters in Watkins and Diaby, let's get Nicolo Zaniolo out of the way. Again, slightly awkward one. He's had three yeah. starts and three sub-appearances. Uh, the starts are 6, 8 and 8, giving him an average of 7.3. And then okay. uh, the substitute appearances are 6, 7 and 6, which brings his total average down of all appearances to 6.83. I was right. slightly critical of him uh, on a previous podcast and I was called out on that, saying I was too harsh <laughs> on him. I'm just kind of waiting for him to explode a little bit because I think there's something in there that if he does score a goal or, or something, you know, say if yeah. he scored the winner against Wolves at the weekend, I know we're in an international break now, but I would back him to kind of ride off that confidence and score seven, eight, nine goals over the course of a season in, in the league. But because we, we're yet to see him do that, I feel there's times where he's maybe trying a little bit too hard to make something happen, where if he's in form and relaxed, I think you would see a better footballer for it. I really like him. I like his profile and I like that he's given us something that is more than just kind of showboating or something. I, I'm I'm seeing, although we haven't seen the end product exactly, I'm seeing signs that it's going to come. Uh, like, I know it's a different, uh, it's not the Premier League, but Legia Warsaw, for example, it's a cracking shot and then Villa score from it. And I know it's fine margins. And yesterday he could have got a goal when the ball kind of trickled past the post. But he's involved, and I can remember a, you know quite a few moments in the games he's played in where he's got into the box and he's made things happen. So I'm more encouraged by that than him, you know, taking the ball down on his chest and doing a little back heel and it coming off. And he is doing that sometimes, by the way. But like the overhead kick against Mostar as well. It's just these little things. He's not mm. scoring goals and creating assists and whatever but he's involved in moments and I think he's threatening to be a very good player. And I think, you know, considering it's only a loan as well for a season, obviously Villa have an option and I don't know whether they'll, you know, maybe try and negotiate on that. I'm not too sure because um, there's a long season to come still. But 
I think from what we've seen, I've been really encouraged. So I think the scores there are probably reflective about what it is. It's kind of like nearly moments at the moment. But I think to have mm. those nearly moments is just encouraging as it is. Uh, it's yeah. a real shame that Ramsey will be missing for weeks because I thought when Ramsey came back, then, you know, you look at a bench with Zaniolo, uh, Telemans, Duran, Traore, um, Bailey at some points, you know, that's a strong bench then players who can come on to the pitch and make a difference. And I think that's what Zaniolo did against Wolves. He kind of started a bit slowly, but again, he was making an impact as a presence and is some, uh, sorry, a player that the defenders will need to be aware of when he is uh, playing. You got, you got to do a song. I'm not doing the song. <laughs> Moussa Diabe also started eight games in the Premier League. His average, decent one, 7.12. I don't really need to wave the Newcastle card for him or Ollie Watkins. Spoiler alert, they both got a six on the opening day, which is average, so it doesn't massively bring their their rating down. Um, But for for Diabe, four eights out of his uh, eight games, half of those have been an eight out of ten. Yeah, is the song growing on you at all, Dan? That's my my question. I've loved the song from the day one, mate, but I've just never liked the ending part, although I'll I'll get used to it, I guess. Although, I mean, what what happens if we go out of Europe in the group stage? (laughs) Then what, huh? I don't know, actually. Um... I like it though. I just like how it, it has layers in the DRB. Thing. I think he has a real punch, so that's why I like it. Yeah, I think DRB well, is, is hit the ground running. It's just like the Wolves. Um, he's clearly carrying a bit of a knock or an injury. I don't know um, to what extent that you know really kind of uh, impacts his performance. But I think in every game he's apart from the Everton game where we won 4-0, so he's clearly contributed in some way. I think he's contributed to basically a goal in every game, apart from Wolves, obviously, in the Everton game. He won't get credited for the assist against uh, Chelsea, but he led that counter-attack and he picks out Watkins before he shot was blocked and then he scored. So I th- he's been instrumental for um, for most of our games and he's played his part in key moments as well, like the Burnley game. I'll always say that he's the difference in that moment of you know a top quality forward changing a game. Not changing it because Villa were already winning, but taking it away from Burnley kind of just silencing the, the home fans who were sensing an equaliser you know mm. we've got 30 minutes left to play so yeah a top player top addition and someone who I think will continue to improve as the season develops Finally Ollie Watkins also started every game in the Premier League as I mentioned he got a 6 on the yeah. opening day at Newcastle so his average rating isn't massively skewed either 7.5 for him um, as an average including every game his is probably skewed the other way by getting that 10 at Brighton uh, with the hat trick Yeah obviously he had a, um, some troubles in front of goal in the first few games missed, a, missed quite a few chances but again played his part in uh, build-up and is always going to be a threat to opposition defences. So, yeah, I think that's probably about fair in terms of a rating. Again, Watkins will get double figures this season. He'll play a key part and that's that's that. Villa have got a top forward there and signed him up to a new deal. So, yeah, fantastic. Three eights, two sevens and a ten as well. Uh, you know, f- five numbers there out of uh, eight very, oh, yeah, very good. We'll end then this this section of the show with the substitutes that I mentioned. Uh, Jacob Ramsey has played two games as a substitute where he's earned a rating at least and a, got an eight and a six, uh, giving him an average of seven. John Durant's had three substitute appearances where he's earned a rating, got eight, a six and an eight, uh, giving him an average rating of 7.3. Uh, let's remember that this isn't counting the European games either. And Yuri Tielemans has had uh, four substitute appearances where he's earned a rating and had a six every single time. 
uh, <laughs> of six for him, uh, despite yeah, yeah. it being obvious. Um, but yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for the subs. Uh, like we said at the start, not all of them earn a rating because they don't feature for long enough. And then mm-hmm. something like Ramsey coming on in the Brighton win and scoring gets him something yeah. as high as an eight. So, so and he played for, played for most of that half as well in the second half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it would have been interesting to do this as a wider discussion with the European games as well for the likes of Tielemans uh, or John Duran and players like that, but that was too much Ready research. Two games between, between, yeah, between last night and this morning for this show, yeah. so I thought I'd keep it Premier League only. I've said before that I'm, I'm a bit worried about Villa's, not necessarily the depth, because I don't think we can call on players from the bench. Like I think Duran can make an impact. Um, Zaniola, if he's not playing, Bailey, if he's not playing, I think those players can make an impact in games. But I think it's when we are making those changes for the European games, then I am a bit, uh, from what I've seen so far, I'm not sure if we can we can handle playing in Europe and in the Premier League. And that's only based off two games, but I think both of them have been quite worrying because Mostar, I know you have to respect each opponent, but you have to be beating them quite comfortably and not in the 94th minute through a John McGinn header. And to be fair, in the second half, we did, you know, pepper their goal but in the first half we were quite passive actually which I was you know surprised about and against Legia we were just sucked up um, by their fans and we didn't react very well at all let's see what happens at Alkmaar but I think that will be a another very tough game a, a tough game which I didn't expect us to kind of I didn't expect myself to be this kind of um, nervous about it in terms of we need to get a result really I'm not too particularly confident because if he makes five or six changes and those players come in again they haven't proven to me yet that they were that they're capable of stepping into, you know, a Douglas Louise shoes or but the players in the defence and stuff. I don't know. Just a lot of changes have have kind of impacted us um, in those games. You know, you look at Everton as well. That was the same for me. That was a bad bad result and a bad performance. You need to be beating Everton at home, whoever's playing. To end the show, I'm going to ask you to dish out four more ratings out of 10 for me for the manager and the competitions that Villa have featured in so far. We'll save the Premier League till the end because that's what we've been talking about. But you mentioned Everton there. Rate Villa's Carabao Cup campaign this season. <laughs> zero. <laughs> what do you think if we didn't get past the first hurdle? It has to be a zero. Like the... Do you give it a one because we scored a goal? I don't know. A meaningless goal, in all all things considered. So, zero out of ten for Villa's journey in the Carabao Cup. Uh, Villa in Europe, obviously the two Hibs games are they're part of it, but they're <laughs> Europe proper. Uh, so, it feels weird to include them. So, defeat in Warsaw and a, a win, a last-minute win, thanks to John McGinn, uh, against Mostar. Villa in Europe so far? Five. Mm, I'd have said six if six is average. I'd probably said average for, for that. Although the defeat in Warsaw was bad. That's why I don't think it's average. I think it's below average. And to me, this might sound disrespectful, disrespectful, but Mostar at home is a that has to be a win. Regardless, I class that as a win. If we played our third best team, you know, you have to win that game full stop. Yeah, to do it in the ninety fourth minute again, that that only added to my worry. Really, it was a kind of non negotiable to win that game. If those worries, if we even if we didn't score that goal in the ninety fourth minute, I'd still be feeling the same that we should be doing better there. Really, I know it's our first European campaign in some time, but the players that we've got, we've got so much quality, and a lot of them have experienced European football as well. So yeah, I'd say a five. I was going to say. Maybe lower, but I thought I'd be a bit harsh because the group is all level at the moment. So I'd say five because it's slightly below average after two games, in my opinion. But in the Premier League so far, 
So just a, a bit of uh, additional context, not that anyone needs it, because I'm sure we've all seen the league table. Uh, Aston Villa played eight games, 16 points, a goal difference of seven, and sitting fifth place above Brighton, West Ham, Newcastle, Man United, Chelsea, um, just one point behind Liverpool, two points behind Manchester City, and four points behind uh, Arsenal and Spurs, who Spurs sit top. It's a very good start, isn't it? Two points per game is Emery's thing, isn't it, really, for, for Villa so far? That's, that's been pretty consistent. And also, just as a bit of extra homework, um, somebody asked me on social media last night where Villa would be if they had two points per game for the course of an entire season. Uh, obviously, 38 games would bring you 76 points. And thanks yeah. to Brookie Boo on Twitter, who did the research for me, the last 10 seasons in the Premier League, your, and again, I'll do average position because we've been doing averages today. Uh, over those course of those 10 seasons, if you've got 76 points, your average position would be 3.25. The crux of the matter is if Villa get 76 points, the likelihood is they'll be in the Champions League places. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that is you can't replicate a proper season. Though. Like when it gets to April and May, Villa will have to, you know, if, if they're late, late and deep in Europe, um, when there's a bit more pressure to actually, you know, get over the line and last season we did it you know fantastic um but this season it could be different and you don't know how Villa will react to that in terms of Thursday to Sunday late on in the season it will take its toll and a lot of our players haven't done that before so let's see how that plays out I don't want to kind of say that you know we can definitely do that because finishing third in the Premier League is quite remarkable I know Newcastle did it last season but they did it without Europe they did it spending a lot of money what are you asking me here sorry am I rating (laughs) the Premier League League so far yeah. yeah I would give it, I'm, I'm not working on 0.5, so I'm going to give it a 9 because I wanted to say 8.5. I just think Newcastle and Liverpool were bad. Um, so that's why I've kind of tried to take it down a bit. But as a an overall, um, if you ask me after eight games, Villa will be fifth and this many points off the top four, which how many points is it? Like one, maybe two points. So for that reason, in terms of a holistic view, I think I'd give that a nine because what could be better really than fifth? You know, obviously fourth, third, fourth, second. third, second and first. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, realistically, we're Villa going to be first after the first eight games, having played Newcastle away, having played Liverpool away, having played Wolves away, because for us, that's never a banker. Mm-hmm. Chelsea um, away. Yeah, Chelsea away as well. Considering those games to be fifth, and as I say, that close to Man City, that close to Arsenal, I think that's very good. If you if you said that we were going to be joint points with them, which we could have been if we, you know, beat Wolves, sorry, then yeah. then that would be, you know, pushing towards a 10, really. So, yeah, I think it's been a fantastic start to the Premier League season. Europe, mm, you know, we'll wait and see in the Carabao Cup. I'm still frustrated with. But yeah, all in all, it's a positive start. And to end the show, the final rating that I'm asking you to dish out is... Um... Unai Emery so far, the job he's done this season so far. I suppose this should be the average of the Carabao Cup, the Europe rating, in the Premier League, because he's involved in all those competitions regardless of the players. So uh, you give me your Emery's rating and I'll give you your average rating for what you gave Emery based off the other three. Well, I gave it zero for the Carabao Cup. So what I would just add to what I just said then about the Cup, we've also had injuries to deal with, which everyone knows, but when you take into context of where those injuries have taken place, if you will, um, Buendia in pre-season was playing that you know a key role and was doing very well. So that's a big miss. Tyrone Mings, you know, that's your leader at the back, the organizer, the player that last season really took on that responsibility to organize the defense and was kind of Emery's messenger, if you will, um, on the pitch. 
that's a huge miss. Alex Moreno and Jacob Ramsey, that is your left side, completely gone. Um, and Paul Torres is a new addition, also playing on the left side. So the new the left side is completely so new in the first eight games of the season. And a lot of managers wouldn't know really how to react to that. I, I think that's the kind of point I'm trying to make. So I think that maybe goes under the radar, not the injuries, but how Villa have reacted and how they're playing um, in a similar way, but you know with a few differences. But Emery's spotted exactly how to get the best now out of Luca Dean. Uh, Torres is fitting in well now. Um, Kontz is taking the responsibility that uh, Ming's had. So for the, for all those reasons and the results that we've had as well, um, I'd give Emery, I think, an eight considering all competitions. Well, for those that only listen, I'm smirking because the average rating that you would have given Emery based off the competitions he's managed in... But that doesn't make sense. The, no, no, John. A zero in the Garbo Cup. A five but in I'm Europe. blaming... I'm not blaming no, 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 John, Hold on a second. Let me finish. Uh, and a nine in the Premier League is 14 divided by three, an average rating of 4.6. So the headline here is John Townley doesn't believe in Unai Emery and wants him sacked, is what I think I'm, <laughs> what I'm getting between the lines. <laughs> yeah, you're a winder. Um, <laughs> Emery isn't the one on the pitch. And to be fair, in some of those games, I wish he was on the pitch. So <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it a day there. John, thank you for joining me. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, there is a supporter happiness poll in the YouTube comments and the podcast description. Uh, we're asking you to give your feedback on the season so far so you can get involved on that. I think it's eight questions. It'll take you two minutes to fill in a sliding scale of one to ten. How happy are you with this? How happy are you with that? Basically, with the conversation we've just had throughout this podcast, uh, as I said, that'll be in the description down below. If you write uh, Unai Emery better than a 4.6, unlike John Tony, <laughs> do, do in the comments below. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching this one. We'll be back on Thursday with our edition of Would I Lie to You? Uh, some funny Aston Villa stories from Neil, Ty, and Matt. Uh, that'll be on Thursday morning. That'll be available. And we'll be back this time next week with another Monday show to discuss something Villa-related in the international break. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.